Good morning, everyone. And welcome to worship on this uh, beautiful day. Even if the sun can't make up its mind whether to stay out or not, we are here in God's house and so thankful to be here and to share this space with you all. Let's now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God as we listen to uh, the prelude by uh, Steve Main and Dorothy Maimon. Let's join together now in the call to worship that is printed in the bulletin. Come to me, Jesus invites. All of you who are weary. Come to me. All of you who are Come to me. All of you Jesus bids us to learn from him and so find rest for our souls. Let us come and worship the Lord. Join me now in a time of prayer. 
Holy God, we do lift our voices and our hearts and our minds to your presence, your heavenly presence, your presence with us right now. You are always with us, even if we're not always with you. We listen to other voices, we follow other paths, yet you are faithful to us. So guide us by your spirit to take the risk to follow you, to pattern our lives as we can after our Lord and Savior Jesus, and to keep being the people that you have meant us to be, that you created us to be. Help us to be people who are mindful of our place in this world. We are called your beloved sons and daughters, and we are to treat one another that way as well, as brothers and sisters all. So guide us now to follow the path that you've set for us. Despite our wavering and our wandering, call us back to who you made us to be. And be with us now by your Holy Spirit as we enter a time of silent prayer. From out of the silence, God's people say together, Amen. Amen. And let's pray together the prayer of preparation and confession that is here in the bulletin. Merciful Savior, you are the bread of life, our Redeemer and Sustainer, the one in whom we find forgiveness and grace. Yet we confess that too often we look elsewhere for that which will sustain us. We trust the security of intellect or jobs or relationships rather than the security of your unfailing love. We invest our time and energy in building our bank accounts rather than pursuing the priorities of your realm of justice, mercy, and peace. Forgive us, we pray. Give us eyes to see the needs of this world as you see them. Lift our gaze beyond ourselves to the cares of our neighbors. Empower us to love boldly, forgive radically, and believe with abandon. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the good news of this day, of every day of your life, is that in Jesus Christ, God does forgive you, accepts you, loves you, promises to be with you wherever you go, and to make of you and of all of us the people we were made to be. So receive that good news. Live it out in your lives. Pass it on and be at peace. Amen. Let's stand and greet those that are around us. We welcome you to worship this day. If you are on the inside aisle, if you'll take the pew pad and pass it on down. If you're a visitor, a special welcome to you. There's a place on the pad where you can give us your contact information as well. So I invite you to turn to the color page in your bulletin, which has all of the information there. Um, when you're leaving, as you go out the door, make sure to pick one of these up. This is the Pick a Party catalog. And on June 2nd, we're having the uh, day where you can sign up for pickup parties. It's got lots of wonderful events in here. Uh, all the money goes to our mission projects, so we invite you to participate in that program as well. Today, following the service, weather permitting, we're going to have a ceremony out uh, in the courtyard, the unveiling of the bricks for the Wallace uh, Alexander Society 
uh, and it's uh, in support of the endowment. And so there'll be a very brief ceremony out there. Uh, if it's raining, we'll just do it right in here um, and read the names of those that are adding and joining the society this particular year. Then following that, there's going to be uh, in the Barton Room a seminar and it's listed, it's an estate uh, planning seminar. We have an attorney who specializes in that coming to talk to us. It's totally free, lunch is provided. You don't have to have signed up. Signed up. You can just walk over to the Barton Room and join us. It's gonna be one hour, no longer than one hour, a seminar on the new different changes in estate planning. There's an announcement about the Hope Cafe. Uh, there's an announcement about uh, laptops from Malawi. I'm going to Malawi next month and there's a need for laptop computers if you have one. Uh, that uh, you're not using anymore, it'd be a great way to uh, donate that for somebody in Africa to have a computer. The annual meeting is on June 9th. The uh, Adult Fellowship Barbecue is June 7th. And then we have two special announcements. The first is Steve. Good morning. So I just wanted to point out for you two upcoming uh, special music Sundays. The first one is going to be June uh, 2nd which is the annual Spring Choir Sunday. We're doing two modern pieces, uh, one of which is by me, I think I'm modern, and the other one is a, a wonderful uh, Norwegian composer called Ola Jelo, uh, Dark Night of the Soul and the Tiger. It'll be with strings and your choir and piano, and it, it's truly amazing, mystical, ecstatic music. You definitely want to hear this, so come early for that. That's on June 2nd, and then right after that will be our Spring Americana Sunday, where we have uh, bluegrass instruments and uh, we take over the worship service with that whole approach and those wonderful hymns that people love. So that's going to be June 9th. So the 2nd and the 9th. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. We also have an announcement about the family camp. Please come forward here. Good morning. Uh, my name is Gwendolyn Osborne. I did this last year and forgot to introduce myself, so that was like my big thing today. Um, so my family and I have been members here for about five years, and we are about to embark on our fourth family camp adventure. Um, when I first heard about family camp, I was kind of intimidated. Um, it sounded like something for only long-term members. I had three young kids who were very loud and messy um, individuals that <laughs> I was nervous about taking pretty much anywhere in public. So. Um, and I, and I didn't know anyone. I really didn't know that many people um, um, here at the church. And so you know, I was very hesitant to sign up. But once we went, I was so glad we did. My kids look forward to it every year. They are now 6, 8, and 10. And um, even my non-camping husband is a fan. So we all love family camp. And um, we get there, and we get messier and louder and, and just have a, have a blast. So what I wanted to tell you a little bit about is what is family camp, um, what you do, and why we go. Um, it's two nights up in Occidental, California, um, next to the beautiful Redwoods, so it's really stunning. Only a two-hour drive, but you feel like you've been completely removed from your crazy life. And we call it family camp, mainly because it is family-friendly to the young members of our church here, but it's also a really great way to get to know your church family. So whether or not you are a parent or married, single, young, old, um, everyone is welcome there. Also, the um, word camp... It doesn't really mean we're out there pitching tents and cooking over campfires. There are cabins, access to indoor plumbing, um, and uh, you're fed three meals a day. So um, you're not completely off, off uh, of civilization. So um, what do we do at family camp? Um, well, the kids have a blast. There um, is a playground, arts and crafts, hikes, climbing structures, and they run up to you and they're breathless and dirty and bright eyes and big smiles and no screen in sight. And it's just a really great two days for, for them to connect with each other and to connect to nature. Um, and for adults, kind of a similar thing. There's lots of time to read and reflect um, and uh, go hiking and just enjoy nature. Um, that said, there's also a lot of time for fellowship. We socialize a lot. Um, we sing songs by the campfire and cook s'mores and really get to know each other. Um, and that leads me to why we go to family camp, which is there is an art to doing nothing. And I don't have that, I've never mastered it, but I get pretty close here. And, and this was mentioned in a sermon earlier this year about how doing nothing is one of the strongest ways we connect with God. Um, you just, you take the time to just be, and that's how we make that connection. And family camp, where you're in the middle of this natural beauty, you have no signal. Um, so you have time to just think and breathe and listen, and it's where you kind of reconnect with your spiritual self. 
Um, that said, it's also for me has been the best way to get to know other families here in the church, and that has been really important and special for me as well as a parent and also for my kids uh, to get to know all the other um, kids here. So I encourage you all to come. We have some flyers that will be out next to the coffee station. If you have any questions, you can find me. You can look for Leslie Quants in the children's um, building. And uh, the more people that go, the more fun we have. So um, it's Labor Day weekend this year. And um, thank you for listening. And I get to lead the singing at the campfire. It's great. I mean, the singing part, maybe not me leading it, but the singing part is great. Uh, yeah, I encourage you to come to my son who's now a junior or a sophomore in college, believe it or not. He comes back and makes a point of coming every year, and he plays guitar a lot better than I do. So let's, let's uh, come to God now in prayer. God of grace and glory, we come to this place in this time of worship and prayer with hope and with gratitude. You promise to hear us and to be with us today and every day. So as we sit here in the stillness of your presence, we turn off the uh, externals of our life for just a, an hour here. We turn our souls over to you for you to, to touch us, to refresh us, to reconnect with us. We open ourselves to you. And so help us now to be still, to be open. Guide us to discover the mystery of the living Christ within us, here and now. In days ahead, inspire us to turn to you as we clean our homes or commute to our jobs or work in our gardens, sit at our desks, answer our emails, engage our kids, jog in the park, shop in the mall, whatever we're doing, God, wherever we are, may we find at least a moment, if not more than a moment, to seek you and to serve you and your people. Awaken us to your love and your mercy and your compassion in Christ. God of past and present and future, as we unveil today the, the bricks that uh, remind us of those who are, have gone before us to build this church, this place of faith, and, and those of us who are continuing to try to be good stewards of the gifts you've given us, the talents that we have. Holy God, help us all know that we are part of one family here, one family of faith. And whether we like the term or not, we think it applies to us or not, we are all called saints in Scripture. Not just the big ones, but all of us, big and small. We are saints. We are sanctified in your name. So even in our imperfection as people, we're grateful to be called to worship, to serve, and to meet you in spirit and in truth. So let this day be not only a time of memory, of thinking about things in the past, but also a time to celebrate our connection throughout the ages. In a moment of silence, holy God, we lift up to your care those who have gone before us, those who are with us now, and for all those who need your care, your mercy, your healing touch, we lift them up to you now in a time of silence. God of mercy and peace, we are also living in a time surrounded by beauty, yet in a time of strife and rancor in so many places. People face violence and the threat of violence, whether far away in places like Iran or Yemen or near at hand, just in this area in the East Bay. People deal with oppression, deal with terror in places like Venezuela, places like East Oakland. In the United States, our own politics continues to bring out the worst in some of us rather than the better angels of our nature. And right now, a whole lot of folks, including some of us in this room today, are really struggling to hear your word of grace, your good news. So come to us, loving God. Speak to us by your spirit and embrace us in Christ. Lift us up, clean us off, set us free, and guide us onto the path of fresh new life this Easter season and every season of our lives. For we pray this in the mighty and the merciful name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray together with one voice, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
We're going to be reading a parable called the Parable of the Talents. And though Jesus is talking about money in this parable, he's also talking about something deeper. He's talking about your whole life. So as we read this, see if you can determine what he is saying to you at this point in your life. For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to he who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. I look back in my records, my files, uh, to the last time that I preached on this particular parable, this text. It was uh, 10, 000, 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, in October of 2008, a couple of weeks after the stock market crashed. It was a terrible time to be talking about investing money and uh, doing those kind of things. I remember, remember those days? Remember that, how terrible that was? I had uh, a friend who's in the uh, financial investment business say to me, Bill, when your statement comes, don't even open it. Just take it over and drop it in the trash. You're going to need some patience to wait this kind of thing out. It does take patience, doesn't it, when you have uh, invested things. Patience is an important part of any sort of investment strategy. I uh, heard the story of a man who returned to his old neighborhood where he used to live 20 years ago, and he went to the house that he used to live in, and he did what many of us have done before. He knocked on the door. He introduced himself to the current owner. Um, turns out it was the people who had, who had bought the house all these years later. They invited him in, and the owner said, hey, you know what? You left a box of stuff up in the attic. Let me go get it and give it to you. And so he's given a box of stuff, and in the box was the claim check for a shoe repair. And it turns out that, that he had taken his shoes in to be repaired, but in the chaos of moving, he had never gotten around to getting those shoes. So 20 years later, he thought he'd have a little fun, and he went to the shoe repair place, he presented the claim check. The owner went in the back, said, just a minute, went into the back. And when he came back, he said, they'll be ready Thursday. <laughs> now that's patience. You got to have patience to do that kind of thing. This is a parable about money, but it's really a parable about meaning, about investing your life. 
Because meaning in life is derived from investing what you have in the lives of other people. That's where we get our meaning in life. You know, this parable has actually changed the English language because um, the original meaning of the word talent, a talent was simply the word for a unit of measurement. It had to do with a, a, a particular weight of a metal like silver or gold. But now the word talent in our language has come to mean some ability or capacity that a person possesses. We talk about athletic talent or musical talent. So this is about money, but it's about more than money. Jesus is uh, basically telling a story of what would have been a fairly common occurrence in those days. A, a wealthy person, when they were going on a journey, and travel was far more precarious then than it is now, they never knew when or if they were going to come back, but they would often gather the servants and they would give the servants responsibilities for various parts of the estate. Maybe one was in charge of the, the gardens or the trees or the vines, another the house, and various amounts of money. So Jesus is saying this. The servants are given responsibility, uh, and it's according to their ability. And so he lines them up there, and he gives them a job to do. Geddes McGregor has a book called He Who Lets Us Be, and his premise is this that God shows his love for us as much in what he does not do for us as in what he does do for us. If your only understanding of divine compassion is that of a God hovering over you like a mother over an infant, then you're seeing only one aspect of God. The great writer Simone Weil said, creation was the moment when God ceased to be everything so that we humans could be something. God has self-limited God's power in the world to give us the opportunity to do our own work, to be partners with God in the work that's called the kingdom here. And um, that's one of the most important things. Anyone who's raised children knows that one of the most important dynamics is how involved are you in running the life of that child? How, when do you step back and let them do, make their own decisions and their own actions and do their own things. Thus, God's distancing is not a sign of desertion, but is an expression of a love that wills us to grow. Soren Kierkegaard loved paradox. And so he said, humans are exactly alike and totally different. We're exactly alike and yet we're totally different. We have to hold those two things in tension with each other. The three servants in the parable they're exactly alike, but they're totally different. And they are entrusted with different amounts of responsibility according to their ability. The one thing that you could accuse God of, I believe, is unfairness when it comes to spreading around talent. It's not equally distributed, is it? How many people watched the Warriors last night? Watch that game. Okay. So, you got... Steph Curry and Jonas Jerbico. Steph Curry scored 36 points, Jerbico, two points. That's okay though, because Steph Curry makes $36 million a year, and Jerbico only makes a million. So it's not spread evenly, is it? Talent is not. And yet, the, jo the job for every person is to do what you can with the talent that you have been given. And we all know that there are games in which it's the bench players, the players who don't play very much, that have saved the game at times for a team. So you, you may only score two points, but that two may be the difference in the game. So every person's responsibility is to do what, what you can with what you have been given. The biggest mistake that people make is the one that I quoted a couple weeks ago when we looked at the parable of the wicked tenants. These tenants had rented a vineyard, and when the owner of the vineyard came for the rent, they killed the servants. They, they basically made the mistake of forgetting who owned the vineyard. They thought that they owned it. And anytime we do that in our life, 
when we consider ourselves owners as opposed to stewards of what God has given us, then we make a huge, huge mistake. The Swiss watchmaker Patek, Patek Philippe has an advertising slogan that says, you never actually own a Patek Philippe, you merely take care of it for the next generation. The same could be said for our money, our time, our lives. We need someday to give account of what we did and what we were given. We won't be compared to other people because each person is different and is given different things. There's an old rabbinical tale that when you come and you face God at the seat of judgment, God will not ask you, why were you not Abraham? Why were you not Moses? The question will be, why were you not fully yourself? Fully yourself. Then there's the tough side of the parable. The guy who's only given one talent and didn't do anything with it. Jesus warns us about the tragedy of those who squander the opportunity that God gives to them. There are two ways to be unfaithful to God. One is to actively do things that God does not want you to do. Some people do that. But the other is to not do the things that God wants you to do. That's a subtler way and a more common way to be unfaithful, is to simply not do what God calls us to do in our life. The one-talent guy wasn't a bad guy who did bad things. He simply was a guy who did nothing at all. So for Jesus, not doing good things is just as bad as doing bad things. They're the equivalent. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, says that inertia is the original sin. Inertia, the failure to, to do and to get going and to do things, that's why love is basically effort. Love is work. And so the last movement is from fear to faith. Why did the one-talent guy bury it? He tells you. He says, I was afraid. I was afraid that if I lost the money, that you would be angry. So he buried it. Nothing distorts our humanity quite as much as fear. It's what gets us into trouble as individuals and as a nation. The fear that there's not enough money, there's not enough food, there's not enough God's love to go around can be debilitating. That's why in the Bible, 356 times, we see the phrase, fear not. Fear is one of the greatest enemies of faith. God wants us to change that fear into faith in him. So the parable has two options. Fear and play it safe or invest with reward. And then the other thing that we have to be reminded of, it says at the end that the one guy who was most successful, the talent is taken from the guy who buried it and given it to him. So what is the reward for doing good work? More work. That's the reward. Well, can, can you imagine, um, you're Tom Brady, you're a quarterback, you've just played a brilliant half of football. Can, would the coach ever come to you and say, you were so fantastic, you can sit out the second half? You don't have to play, because you were so good. No, the, the better you do, the more, the, the more you do. Hold on a second here. Um, um, and so, uh, basically, the reward for good work is more work. We need to know that and to understand that. That's what it's all about. The two servants who took a risk with what the master had left heard the words, well done. The only servant that didn't fare well was the one who played it safe, who was not willing to take a risk, to take a chance in life. When we see things from God's perspective, the only financial risk we truly face lies in not investing our money and our lives into what God has given us to do his kingdom here on earth. Amen.
give thanks to God together as we pray together the prayer of thanksgiving that's here in the bulletin. Gracious God, accept these gifts we humbly offer this morning. Use them and use us to reach into places where your love remains hidden, where your goodness is not yet known. Make us good servants of your word and of your world, and make us responsible heirs of your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. courtyard and the seminar uh, that's uh, on estate planning following that. As you leave here, remember that you go forth as representatives, ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. So live your life in such a way that whenever people see you this week, they'll see Christ living in you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and always hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.